nice to wake up in the morning now and it's nice to try and go to sleep without having kind of like the weight and the expectations of the movie on us anymore. Been stressed. Been stressed out. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a big thing and like we put a lot of effort into it. And so just thinking about it all the time, it just like it, it occupies your thoughts a lot. And Absolutely. So, and so it's really nice to be past least production part of it. And it just like, I feel so much more relaxed all the time right now. Yeah. And I think the reason we feel that way is because we did very good pre-production, obviously, mm -hmm. which led to production. Yep. And now in this episode, we're going to talk about pre-production. Yeah. I mean, pre-production is the best place you can spend your time. Absolutely. And guys, welcome to the Take 43 podcast. Take 43. We're back, baby. Yeah. yeah. My name is Drew Williams. And I am Aaron Colborn. And we are stoked to be back. We took a couple weeks off. We have been working on our latest short film, Jump Seat, that yeah. we've talked so much about. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it a little bit here and there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so nice to finally have it shot. And to, because there's so many like question marks going into it to be on the other side and, and understand now how those problems were solved, how those gaps were filled in, stuff like that. So pre-production, I mean, we, you know, we started planning this movie uh, over a year before we shot it. We were planning on shooting it in May of 2020. And then obviously when March hit, uh, the pandemic kind of descended upon the world and we had right. to, we had to press the pause button. I mean, we'd already done so much stuff. Uh, we'd, we'd already done our uh, casting. We'd done our auditions and stuff like that and started making lots of, lots of plans already started finding locations. Yeah. We um, had actually had locations locked in. Oh yeah. That's it. We had, and, we had and, them and locked. Those have changed since yep. then just because businesses have changed. The rules have changed. Yep. Uh, the two days of casting though felt like we were on like the home run stretch. We're like, oh, we're yeah. going to get our casting in. We've got locations yep. locked. And then obviously everything happened with the world. was not ideal for anyone in any circumstance. Right. But, uh, but it actually turned out to be pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, there. I think there were definitely, even though that's not what we wanted to have happen, there were definitely benefits to um, having to wait an extra year to shoot it. I mean, because, you know, uh, it, on my mind, literally every single day, all the time. And so uh, being able to just think about it and like kind of run through the whole movie in my head for a year, uh, a lot of those gaps, a lot of those spots that had problems that we didn't think about initially, uh, we're able to come up with solutions way before even kind of getting back into pre-production when we we're going to shoot it. So like there were definitely benefits to it. Absolutely. So let's maybe talk about casting. This is part of the pre-production stage. One of the first parts, obviously, Let's go ahead and go into that casting experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, casting is such, obviously such a, such an important part. And it's something that a lot of, I think, short films, you know, people end up casting their friends or just kind of like the first person. And honestly, with Paper Cutter, it was kind of that way. A lot of the casting, you know, we cast our lead. He dropped out uh, like a week before we were shooting. And a lot of the other ones were just kind of like, I didn't have time to do rehearsals with anybody. And our extra in Paper Cutter dropped out the night before. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, yeah. When I we did, were on set for day one. Yeah. And, and also just, I didn't know most of the extras like that's handled by the producer. And so um, this time I had a, a much closer focus on it. For one thing, we had far fewer people in this movie. So we were able to kind of focus on individual characters and individual uh, actors a lot better. Which helped with scheduling. Which definitely helped with scheduling for sure. But casting is so important. And I'll tell you why. Now that I have this hindsight, uh, second thing I've directed. So I'm you know learning huge lessons every time. What I really learned on this one is that if you cast well, uh, you don't really have to do any directing. <laughs> I mean, casting the combination of casting and rehearsals. So we, uh, the Saturday before we shot, we had some rehearsals as well. So I was able to kind of go over uh, individual performances with the actors and kind of hone those in a little bit. And so then you remember uh, during actual production, 
I mean, I almost had to do no directing of the actors. Yeah, I like mean, a little bit of blocking here and there, and a couple little tweaks. But like, there were no like you directed. I mean, I've watched the BTS footage since we've shot. Right. You were directing, but I know what you mean. It made your life a lot easier. You yeah. could concentrate maybe a little bit on more broader things, mm-hmm. such yep. as just the whole experience yep. in general, instead of just getting feeding lines correctly. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. The, the last thing you had to do is feed the actors lines. Exactly. Like they they knew what I want a week ahead of time, so they had already been kind of practicing on their own, uh, trying to figure out how they were going to interpret the character. But then getting the input from me, they had a week before we were shooting to kind of incorporate that instead of having, you know, two minutes before the next take or whatever. Right. And that helps with so many things. I mean, it helps with just obviously getting what you want, but it helps with um, with your your time. Right. Because, I mean, I think there's only one or two setups we had to do more than two takes of. Right. And so that just helped get our days in on time. We almost never ran behind schedule. Again, this is all pre-production that makes that possible. It was one of the many puzzle pieces that we were able to put together without mm-hmm. any hiccups yep. to get the full picture. And it's what we're setting on today, yep. which is really, which I'm really, really stoked on. I don't want to jump too far ahead, yeah. but these are just really small pieces of what made that puzzle so much easier. Yep, Absolutely. So maybe let's talk about Alexa because we had Alexa in paper cutter. Yeah. We've worked with her before. Yeah. She's a friend of ours. Yeah. And so, and like I said, you don't just want to cast friends of yours. And, and, and so I knew, I, I mean, I was talking to her while I was writing it. Like I knew that she's who I wanted for it. Like I kind of wrote it for her, but at the same time, I didn't want to shortchange myself and, and just cast her without looking at other options. Right. So we looked at, a, we had a lot of people audition for it and there's some really, really good people. Yeah, there were probably 15 people. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, because we did, yeah, we did two full days. The driving scene when they, we had the four chairs set oh, up. Oh yeah. It was wild. Yeah. We had a uh, Travis, uh, our yeah. friend Travis, who was, in, who was in paper cutter, uh, yeah. running lines for us, was which, cool. was, which was great. It's, it's interesting though, watching Alexa play this much different role that you can speak on. Yeah. Um, because, she, you know, I've seen her in all these Hallmark movies with yeah. the, the Tamaras or the sister sisters. What's, uh, what's I don't their, their name? names? Tamara and Tia Williams. Maybe. Is it Williams? It's probably not. That's your last name. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. There's also but, the, the two twin sisters who are tennis players. Right. Um, but it, it, it is interesting. Oh, that, there we go. But it, it is interesting because, yeah, she, I think a lot of times she's actually cast against type because um, right. she's like like we know her pretty well like she's she's moody and she's got a lot going on upstairs and but she's always cast in because the big thing in utah is these hallmark christmas movies stuff like that so she's like this cheery chipper she's always like the assistant carrying coffee and and keeping the main character on schedule or something yeah it was so fun to not see her play that yeah oh my god she killed it i feel like she was much more in her element because it's such a it's a dark movie it's a moody movie like there's lots of you know i'm again not to jump too far ahead but i'm editing around kind of like her looks like her, she does so much acting with her eyes and it's uh, like that's what makes it good well yeah and the anamorphic lenses and everything oh, I mean, also that yeah <laughs> I mean, again there's so many things there's so many different pieces that have to fit together in the right way and in pre-production that's when you figure out where those pieces how they fit together and not only with a smaller budget but we'll tell you how we got those anamorphic mm-hmm. lenses for that's right free. so yeah. this is just one piece of the puzzle here it was really cool to see Alexa just crush that role out. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, and also in terms of rehearsals, I think it's really important to, and this is based off feedback we got from the people that auditioned for us, is keeping it fun. You know, I think a lot of them said that they uh, will go into these auditions and the people behind the table that are watching them just kind of like grunting, like, okay, go, okay, bye. Right. You know, and, but we were, I mean, we were so stoked to be doing it. Like we were just like a bunch of kids playing with Legos at that point. And so, you know, we were having a blast and we were talking to them and kind of like, I was giving a little bit of direction, just, just a little bit, but they all seemed like they had a really good experience with the auditions and, and several of them 
told us that afterwards. And I think it's really important because it's not, you know, it's not like this was some high paying job, right? Like we weren't able to pay a ton. We were able to pay everybody, but we couldn't pay a ton. But this, this made them want to work with us. Yeah. They were stoked. Yeah. They were, they're all excited to, to get on set and, and wanted these roles. Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple of emails back from people who didn't get casted. Yeah. Like hopefully, you know, we'll hear back from you in the future. Mm-hmm. Not, they said that to us. Yeah. They, Cause they wanted to, they wanted to hear from us again, just yeah. to work with us. So I thought that was, that's a huge compliment. It is. It's, it's a massive compliment. And I think it also just kind of in the, the broader film community, especially in, in Utah, which is fairly small. Uh, I think reputation means a lot and of uh, getting our name out there, getting us known will all translate into people watching and appreciating the film right or just just being able to get it to them like it's on people's radars now because people are talking about even people that aren't in the movie so we casted four four five people so we yeah we is we casted four from from those auditions we ended up with a fifth person who you'll see his role in the movie it's a non-speaking role but it's very very important he actually auditioned for one of the other characters he auditioned for Rhett and we wanted Rhett to go to Matt because Matt was you know Matt's awesome Chad really really he came up to us he's like look what if you guys you know I I just want to work on this whatever you guys want me to do he's like such a nice guy yeah he's like I can move lights around I can do this I can do that and we're like how are you with stunts <laughs> How are you falling on your back? Right. And he was like, he was super into it. I mean, mm-hmm. super, super into it. So um keeping your keeping your eyes and ears open for ways you can repurpose actors. Yeah. Um, I think is really important during that as well. Because yeah, it was very clear that he wasn't the role he came into audition right. for. Yeah, um, he he wasn't right for that. He was perfect for yeah. our other character. Yeah, it's like I said, it was kind of a small in a way, kind of thankless role, and he did such a good job. And we'll we'll talk about that in, you know, in production, production and post production. Just, you know, I mean, we'll do some, you know, post release stuff as well for sure, where we kind of dive into some of the more probably more fun stuff about it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, it's so at this point we've casted all of our five actors. Mm-hmm. This is a year ago. Yeah. And then, over a year ago, I think we did the, I think we did the auditions in like October, October 2019. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So that's insane. So we had some time, uh, in that time we were using it to be producers and plan. And I was speaking with different camera and lens companies mm-hmm. and monitor companies and lighting companies to help fund our film. Uh, we had a lot of great sponsors, uh, coming through for that. So then all of a sudden everything just stops and we were left with, basically our actors that we casted mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. So we knew we had a lot of time. We did not know when this film was going to get made. At one point I actually didn't think we'd make it. Yeah. Oh, same here. Yeah. Definitely middle of 2020, you know, yeah. like, you know, the whole, whole world's like, no yeah. one really felt anything in the middle of 2020. Yeah. So I, I, I couldn't even a like normal feeling for sure. I mean, I know I had like these big aspirations. I'm going to like, I'm going to write a feature during quarantine, stuff like that. I found it so hard to be creative. Um, but so, jump seat was always on my mind. Yeah. Always. And well, what we did was after like a month or half a month of just waiting around, we started meeting once a week. Yeah. And on and, Zoom. Yeah. And th- that was really, really important, I think, because we, again, we weren't all together. We were in, you know, different places. And so, yeah, we we're doing Zoom meetings once a week. And I think it was really good to keep us on task. Yeah. Um, because it, it's, it was really easy, like I said, to be creative and to just kind of like start to let things slide. Um, once the February this year, 2021, rolled around, we decided, like, okay, I think it's probably time we, it looked like things were, you know, the vaccine was out. It looked like things were probably going to start like kind of opening up a little bit in the, over the next several months. And we're like, okay, it's probably time to kind of get back at this. Cause we all were just, you know, chomping at the bit to make this movie. Like For we, sure. we wanted nothing more than to get this thing done. And we were meeting with Dave and Leah, our other producers. Yeah. Um, I think Leah was the AD on the film as well. Yeah. She had yeah, producer AD. And, uh, 
Dave helped out a ton with, with all that stuff. So yeah. we, it was us four. And then Howard joined in. We had an intern join in yeah. halfway through the year, not to jump too far ahead. I just wanted to let you know who was in the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Howard was part of this program uh, set up by our friend Rachel to get actors that are interested in the, uh, uh, the other side of the camera, interested in production to kind of get them on a set and help them learn. Yeah, and so good. Howard came on that way, and Howard was awesome, such an amazing help. We actually ended up using his car in the movie. Yeah, um, and he was just he was he was a very good, just kind of like a go to person for anything. I needed him to arrange some tapes. He arranged some tapes. You know, we all kind of needed an extra hand, mm-hmm. um, whether it was the director or an actor needed something, or I needed something mm-hmm. out of the crew. Yeah, and Howard fulfilled those duties. It was yeah. really nice. He'd get me a fresco if I wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> so many frescas. <laughs> the shooting schedule was shit for this. <laughs> <laughs> we were shooting up until five a.m every night yeah I had I'm, this, I'm totally kidding I, I, it was I this, amazing but I had this I, grand idea yeah to shoot everything at night not thinking about what that would actually mean meaning we'd have to shoot it at night <laughs> in the summer in you know three to four days in a row yeah yeah and so that was definitely uh I mean the the movie oh it's, it's, it's necessary for the movie cool. but it like it was definitely difficult there's not one shot in the film with sun nope all the, the closest all is like uh, the one wide shot near the beginning of the movie where there's just like a it's a super wide shot um, you can just see just barely this strip of light um, on the horizon yeah right before the sun goes down fully for the rest of the like movie 8 30 or something yeah something night. like that yeah so it was really cool. We got to meet, you know, once a week, all four and five of us uh, after Howard joined in and, you know, we were able to stay on task. And yeah. within that time, we were able to make sure everyone was still fulfilling their duties. We were catching up with how everyone's weeks were because it was quarantine mm-hmm. and it was super lonely anyways. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We're, we're all friends. And so it was a good time for us to just kind of like stay being friends because yeah. in the end, this was a movie made just by a big group of friends. Exactly. And it allowed us to make to-do lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, Leah could do... All the stuff she was supposed to do, Dave could do what he did, Mm -hmm. and you could do what you were going to do, and then... I just sat around and acted like I was doing stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing about to-do lists also is like there were times where we did have to cancel the meeting. Like, you know, all of us have, have lives going on. We have work and stuff like that. And sometimes we just couldn't make the meetings. Right. But having the to-do list and just kind of like keeping in, in uh, contact with each other, we have a, a Slack channel um, where we could communicate with each other about the movie. And so just having those to-do lists, even when we couldn't have a meeting, still kept forward motion on everything. And there was For a sure. lot to do. And so like we always had, we had lots of stuff to cover all the time. We had plenty of time to do it, mm-hmm. but I think we needed all of that we time. did yeah i don't think we i don't think we could have done as well with any less time that we put in because in meetings. exactly and with those meetings we started talking about sponsorships so i right. was able to get with a lot of different brands uh, like atomus mm-hmm. and lytra and rhino and siri mm-hmm. and they were able to help donate products yeah. for the film i had just bought the fx6 yeah so um i'm a sony guy anyways already right and Siri, you know, we wanted the, the first thing you said was this thing needs to be shot anamorphic. Yep. And the first thing I did was I was already in contact with Siri for That's other right. videos. I already owned the 24 millimeter mm-hmm. and did a review video for them. I contacted them and they were able to hook us up with their whole line. Yeah. And so the 25, the 35, the 50 and the 75 millimeter anamorphic lenses is what the entire film is shot on. Yeah. The 75 millimeter is not even out yet. The, yeah. the Indiegogo it looks so good though. Yeah. The Indiegogo released last Monday. Wow. So I'm working on a review video for them now. That lens is incredible. Yeah. It looks so good. And yeah. you guys will see it all when you see the movie. And on like, top of that, the lighting looks incredible. Oh man. And that's because of Lytra. Mm-hmm. Adamus gave that ninja to us. Uh, we recorded all of our raw files. We recorded the whole film in raw HQ yeah. at 4k. Yeah. ProRes uh, raw HQ. ProRes raw HQ. And we were able to do that on solid states mm-hmm. in the Adamus monitor. Yeah. And that was just 
You talk about leeway in your coloring. Oh, oh my God. You can bend that thing. You can. You can do almost anything because it's got full color depth to it. And so yeah. you can almost turn anything into any other color. You can darken stuff. You can brighten stuff. Yeah. You know, and without without it starting to, you know, pixelate and starting to see like the um the like the transcoding breakdown on you. There was none of those issues. And then, you know, we'll get into that in production. But the point of that is is I was able to have enough time mm-hmm. to talk with all of these brands. And I'm super glad we had time to do that because it made the film, you know, Lytra donated five Lytra studio lights and we were able to use those throughout the film. Uh, It it was just incredible. Like Rhino by doing the podcast and then letting us know we, there's a product that Rhino's coming out with that's not done yet that we wanted to use for the film uh, that clearly did did not happen, but it was just amazing to have enough time to, because a lot of times those things take more time than they should always. And it was so good to be able to have that and kind of, for me to be in a quarter of the producer mm-hmm. role, mm-hmm. I felt like I kind of did my due diligence on that end totally. and it was mixed in with my department. Right. It was awesome. It was, it was, it was exactly how it should have worked out. Totally. Well, and, and what that helps so much with is, is the budget, yeah. you know, because I mean, if you've ever looked at what it costs to rent anamorphic lenses, they it, are it expensive. Was, uh, yeah. I did the rental and I talk about this in the review video for Siri that mm-hmm. comes out later this week, but I talked about it in the other review video too, because Siri is finally making Siri, Siri, you, however you say it, they make budget friendly anamorphic lenses mm-hmm. and they make them for micro four thirds cameras, APS-C sensor cameras or full frame cameras. And you can shoot it how you want. But once you get that image in there in post and you de-squeeze it and you break it down, I mean, it looks it looks, so it looks comparable to a cook anamorphic set and those cook anamorphic sets to rent. Trust me. Thousands. Uh, yeah. The kit for the four days, it would have been like over $10,000. Yeah. And that's a like, rent. That's like two thirds of our budget. Yeah. Cause we had, we planned on about a, about a 14, $15,000 budget. I think we've, I think we went by, over. Yeah. But I think by the time we get through post-production and there's a lot of extra costs and we'll talk about that. Yeah. That just, you know, again, stuff that we learned that I, I didn't know that we had to pay for things that ended up costing a lot more. Right. But like we wouldn't have been able to shoot an anamorphic yeah. if we'd had to, had to rent uh, lenses. So you asked me as a director to DP, you want to shoot this anamorphic. Mm-hmm. I was able to get with my contacts and I asked for what we needed. Mm-hmm. That saved us thousands so and thousands of dollars. So much money. Plus I get to keep the lenses. Right. And they're a good partner to have for the future. Mm-hmm. And trust me, they, you know, they're getting a reward back too. Yeah. with this film is a music video. It's review videos for them. Mm-hmm. BTS content. We hired BTS, both photo and video every yeah. single night we were shooting and some of the content that I've watched from that is just incredible. So those brands are going to be extremely happy with what they're receiving. This is going to be good, good content for Siriu. All around, I think it's a good deal for everyone. Yeah, I think uh, you being able to make those deals, I'm not so great at that sort of thing, but you're really good at making contacts and kind of like talking to people about opportunities. And I think, I mean, that helped us in so many ways because, you know, uh, one of the other huge things you have to do during pre-production is you know, find some money. You have to do fundraising. And and so being able to, you know, having the, the monitors, the... Uh, the lenses and like you, you know, your discounted camera from Sony um, yeah. really, really, really helped with our, our budget. And so yeah. we we're able to take that money that we would have spent on, on gear and put it elsewhere, you know, paying the actors. I bought the FX6 for half off yeah. because of my ambassador deal. Yeah. And just saving that much money, that was the first project we had used on it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, and it comes down to asking for money. I mean, it could be from anyone. And yeah, well, you kind of have to swallow your pride a little bit. I don't like asking yep. people for money, Yeah, but I did it, you know, and it, it helps when you have a, a plan and a vision that you can show people. I mean, you're essentially pitching everybody that's, you know, going to well, yeah, and we did asking the, for money. Yeah, but series doing that with the 75 millimeter mm-hmm. right now. Now and right. Indiegogo, they have over a half a million dollars and we had to do it for our movie. 
it doesn't make me feel too bad that the lens we used on the film is on Indiegogo right yeah. now. And the movie we made it with was on Indiegogo as well. Yeah. And so it's not just asking for money from, you know, from, from companies, from sponsors and stuff like that. It's asking for money from, you know, parents. My dad's very excited about, about me doing this kind of stuff. And so he really, really wanted to help. And, um, if I'd never, you know, asked him, he never would have told me that and nor would he have given money. And so like, I don't like asking for money, but it's good to swallow your pride and like, you know, let people, there are people out there that do want to help you. So give them the opportunity. Yeah. People love art. Yeah. People do love art. And you know, like my father-in-law, uh, for instance, he's good at literally everything. I mean, he's good with, he can build stuff. He's great with money, like everything. Yeah. You're like, Oh, my furnace broke. You're like, I need my father-in-law to come fix it. <laughs> Maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but the point is, um, he's, he's so good at all that stuff. Everybody that he meets that does the same stuff as him, like he has opinions on it. He can do it better. And he probably actually can, except he cannot make a movie. He can't do right. art. And so, but right. he loves, he loves films. He, you know, he goes to Sundance every year and watches movies. He loves this kind of stuff, has no idea how to do any of it. Right. And so he was very excited about it as well because he, like, he likes to see the way it's being done. Um, well, the process is cool. People love yeah, it. That's why do. we literally pay people to shoot us doing our job, mm -hmm. photo and video. We literally pay people extra yeah. to film the process because people love it. Yeah. We, and we've been doing it. We've been doing it for quite a while now that, you know, we're, we don't think about it as being like this cool process. You know, we're, we're just like, we, we're, we're head down, like yeah. we're doing the work, but other people, Think that making movies is fucking cool. <laughs> you know? Do you remember when we, I mean, and not to jump too far ahead in production, but do you remember when we were cruising by on the process trailer oh, yeah. and that one guy yelled out the window, what the fuck? <laughs> do you, you guys are driving a car that's on top of a trailer. <laughs> there's people on a moving trailer and there's cops escorting you and they're on your side. They're not pulling you over. Definitely the, uh, the, the trailer day where we, we had a process trailer that we were shooting insane, a car on. Dude. Definitely the biggest flex of the entire shoot, I think, because I mean, it looks incredible. It costs my, it looks incredible, but, it costs a lot of money. And so I think a lot of people would opt for doing, you know, a green screen or rear projection stuff like that and make it look like they're driving. It was really important to me to do it on location because it really is like the, the city's kind of a character in the movie. And so you really need to do it on location in order to really feel that. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, but it's definitely, I mean, it was so far out of all of our kind of comfort zones. None of us had ever done anything like that. So it was definitely a flex and it sh I think it shows on screen. Too. It was cool. And you have to be on your game when mm -hmm. you're renting a trailer. Like yeah. that was a huge bite out of the budget. Yeah. And, we only had, you know, Ron, which was our grip that day mm -hmm. and our driver, because, you know, you have to have insurance, proof of insurance, you have to mm -hmm. have police escorts mm -hmm. and we'll, you have to have we'll, permits, we'll have to have permits of where your loop is. You have to make sure you're not distracting businesses yep. and we'll dive into that. But while we were on the trailer, we knew exactly what we needed to mm -hmm. get because we had an awesome shot list mm -hmm. and we had storyboards right at our fingertips. <laughs> Ron even told me afterwards, because I'd, I'd talked to him because uh, I was nervous about doing the trailer shoot because I told him, you know, we, we haven't done this before. Like we have an idea for what to expect, but there's a lot of specifics we don't know. So I actually talked with Ron for quite a while about that. But then after we were done with the shoot, I went and talked to him. We got done an hour early. I told him, I said, which is huge. Which is we, got, huge. we got it done at 1.30 in the morning instead yep. of 2.30. Yep. Exactly. And we shot until 5.30. Yep. Yeah. I told, yeah. I told Ron I'd have him, we'd be done shooting by one and we were done shooting by one. And then it took another half hour to kind of clean up and get stuff packed uh -huh, up and nice. head out. But, one. but Ron told me, he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I kind of wasn't sure how you guys were going to do. He's like, but you guys did awesome. You're on your game. And that is all 
because of pre-production because right. we planned it out. We knew what the next shot was. We knew the shot was we were doing right then and there. And that all came from having those storyboards and sides and shot lists and stuff like that. And specifically, instead of having, you know, one master storyboard and one master script and one master shot list, we broke everything down by day. So we had only the storyboards, uh, different, you know, folders, um, that had only the storyboards for that one day. So I didn't have to search through the entire movie because, you know, well, these things happen in different places. Those storyboards were in order because we requested to do that in order of the shot list. Mm-hmm. So we created the shot list in shooting order, mm-hmm. which we ended up tweaking some things when we were on set just for time and, yeah. you know, building out the rigs and whatnot. So all the gimbal shots were, you know, towards the bottom or at the top, mm-hmm. but we had all of those shot lists in order and you had every frame that you drew Mm -hmm. for a storyboard and I had you put those in the order too. So if I needed a reference point as a DP, I could just reference that and then tweak it to make it look how I wanted it to look. Yeah, so even if the shots were out of order in terms of the scene, which a lot of times they are, it was in our shooting order on the storyboard. So you just need to look at the next thing. You didn't have to be like, you know, where in, you know, the... 20 pages of like yeah. master shot list or master storyboards. It was like, you just knew it was the next thing. Exactly. Saved so much time. It was insane. And I knew where we were at the whole time, but then my AC would be like, all right, six a, mm-hmm. and which is scene six a. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, can I say, Ron, can I see six a mm-hmm. and a uh, storyboard and you'll yeah. pull up the frame. Yep. And yeah. I'm like, boom. Done. Yeah. I had be- best, one of the best tools um, I had on set this time for paper cutter. I had like a big notebook, a three ring binder that had too like big, the, too it was much. too big, it was too much and flipping through pages. Um, I got an, uh, when I started storyboarding, I bought an iPad pro to do the storyboarding on. And, but then that translated into that became my three ring binder for the shoot. So I had folders for, like I said, for each day that had the shot list in there that had the storyboard and stuff like that. So it was broken down into, in, into individual days and just having that, like, I mean, I barely set it down because if I did for one, I'd lose it. But, and then I would <laughs> ask you where it was and I'd be like, uh, where's my Check iPad? Please check please <laughs> but that became like such an indispensable tool just always have that and and always know where we were and and what we were doing next and i think the other thing that goes into doing the storyboards and this is a little more like artsy you know uh, whatever stuff but it's making sure as a director that you actually have a vision that you know what you want it to be that you know what what you want it to look like you know what you want the vibe to be um so you can explain it to other people and so you can put it down in physical form yeah and you were able to marinate on that vision for an extra year i think that's probably why it turned out extra moody <laughs> <laughs> because exactly. listen there, yeah, I was just soaking in it for a year. Yeah. And we were able as a team to, we knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. We knew what we wanted. We haven't, mm-hmm. we didn't have time in pre-production to, I'm not saying it should take a year to yeah. make a short film, but uh, it definitely helped pre-production, it, but it helped a lot. It definitely, yeah, it definitely helped learn some lessons before actually getting to the shoot, having that year to sit there. Like I said, there are so many, there are a bunch of gaps and transitions and other things that just over that year just kind of like gradually came to me that I would just constantly write down um, stuff that I don't need to learn next time in the middle of pre-production. Well, we knew from paper cutter that we did not want to deal with multiple shots. We knew we wanted to get exactly what we needed. We didn't need extra safety angles. Mm -mm. We got our safety angles, but we did not need them to be ultra special. Yeah. And it helped just to be on the same page and have the same list and just be in the same mindset. Yeah. Because believe it or not, for some reason, somehow on our third short film we made, we had two separate shot lists (laughs) and mine was way more detailed. (laughs) And that created a, it it created a lot of confusion. Yeah, it Um, It really did. It definitely created some issues. And so for both Drew and I to be working off literally the exact same list um was just it it saved a lot of time it saved confusion and it just 
such a smooth shoot. And I think a lot of it had to do with that. Like yeah, a lot it of went it. ungodly well. Yeah. It was kind of, kind of scary how well it went. Cause I kept on waiting for something, something to go to wrong. Happen. And I can, I feel like I can only say now how smooth it went because yeah. we're past it. And so, and we, we, the footage in so many different places, like we're there. So now I can say it without jinxing it, right. that it went incredibly smooth. Well, and the only thing that went wrong on my end was, and uh, Tyson's in, which was my AC. He did an amazing job. Uh, we could not get the follow focus to connect on that night three and it took an extra 30, 35 minutes, but we finally got it. Thanks. Dave helped out on that. But I think breaking your days into these manageable chunks Mm -hmm. or your nights, if you will, really helped because going back to paper cutter and all that confusion, Mm -hmm. never should we have started day one with 16. No, it was a terrible idea. Extras. (laughs) Terrible idea. (laughs) Start small. Yep. And do that shooting order into which a way benefits your crew and yourself. Yeah. So like our first night on jump seat was one location, two actors. And, and it was we, a comfortable location. It is a comfortable location. There yeah. It kind of helped there and like tested things. Yep. Yeah. It, 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 it definitely helped everybody to be able to ease into the production to start to get comfortable on set. And, yeah. and, and also just, you know, being, I mean, it's, a, it's a good, you know, kind of the first interspersed kind of the first six minutes of the movie, but it wasn't this massive day. And since it's all one spot, there's no company moves. Um, it definitely gave us the, the space and the flexibility to spend time on what we were getting instead of we have right. to rush to the next thing, Absolutely. which you find yourself doing. I mean, we, did, we did paper cutter so many times near the end of the day or 16 hour day or whatever it was. We're like rushing. Okay. This shot, this shot, this shot. We didn't have to do that here. No. We could spend our time setting it up and doing it. We right. were on schedule all four, yeah. four or five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On schedule crazy. or early. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is huge. Yeah, it absolutely with is. With a smaller crew, that's a, that's saying a lot. When it helps with budget also, and and it's a big deal, you know, if if this goes to film festivals and we have some producers that are interested in it and or for whatever reason are interested in us as as filmmakers, it helps because, you know, they'll they'll see the movie so they'll know the quality of the movie, but then they're also going to want to know how much did it cost? You know, how much did you do it for? And honestly, like for what we got, we have a pretty small budget and to be able to keep it on time or under like those are just as important as the artistic side of filmmaking for, for like for a producer. No, for sure. And so having, you know, having all our, our numbers around that, if we do get to talk to, you know, some people after film festivals will, will be important. And I think that could help sway some people as well. Yeah. Yeah. It'll buy more time and more legs for the film, mm-hmm. you know? Agreed. Well, I want to go back cause we mentioned the flex on the trailer and I don't want to go too much into the production side because we're going to save that for the next episode. This is like a part two or three or four episode. Yeah. This is just part one. Obviously. We, we have a lot to say about yeah. this. <laughs> and it's really cool. I'm really excited for you guys to check out the film when it comes out and makes the film festival circuit. So I want to dive back into that trailer day. And I know we did permits for other days mm-hmm. of filming too, but we, you know, we had to get permits. We had to chat with cops mm-hmm. and get escorts. We had to get insurance. Police escorts. Uh, <laughs> yes. Police <laughs> escorts. Can you talk about the insurance experience a little bit? Because that was yeah. mostly you, because we did do this mainly under your production company. Yeah, that's right. So I was handling all the money for it. So yeah, it's yeah. an association with our production companies, mm-hmm. but you kind of did handle some of the nitty gritty work, uh, that insurance process. What was that like? Yeah, it was, that was interesting. I mean, I, I learned for one thing, I'm just gonna say this right out. I don't like being a producer. Producer, I think is the least no. fun part of a really, well, fun you're a director, job. editor, writer. Um, and you did, we juggler, we, yeah. juggler, <laughs> court jester. Um, we, um, you know, split the producing roles into quarters as mentioned earlier. And, uh, I've been producing some stuff and I don't mind it. I like producing and kind of in, helps with my own field. Yeah. So the DP stuff with the, the with the brands and things, right. and I think that's really cool. 
There's a lot of stuff in the producing world that is it's not just, fun. It's boring. Yeah. It's like you said, it's insurance, it's permit yeah. stuff like that. There was so much that I learned. And one of the main things I learned was, was the insurance side of it. I had never gotten production insurance before Dave had. So he sent me a couple options for ones he'd used before. And, and it, you know, it's a, it's a big process and we were expecting maybe a seven, $800. It ended up being about $2,400 because, you know, we were doing things like, you know, with the trailer, you know, we had people on a trailer. And so I decided I wanted to spring for, um, for workers comp. So if anybody got hurt on set, they'd be covered. I mean, taking care of your people is, is a big part of this. Um, it was something that I think a lot of productions, especially small local productions don't really do, you know, paying our actors and paying our crew well, as well as making sure they're covered in case of any accidents. Um, and, and, you know, down to, you know, COVID guidelines for this as well. For sure. So I had to dig into the, the whole uh, insurance process and it's just a lot of paperwork and, and, uh, kind of back and forth with the insurance agent trying to get it figured out. Um, cause you need it for so many things like we couldn't secure the trailer rental until we had secured insurance. And, you know, luckily we, I started the insurance process probably about a month, I think before production, which honestly was like just enough time. Right. Uh, like I think in, you know, in subsequent films, insurance will probably be one of the first things once we're like actually heading into production. Um, one of the first things I'll do will just be to secure the the insurance because uh, there's so many things you need it for. Yeah, and it took a little bit longer than you expected. It did. It took longer and it cost more money. I mean, that's getting like, you can just kind of see the budget start to kind of swell a little bit when things like that happen. Well, and you have to have that insurance and that proof of insurance to rent and do a lot of things that and to we get permits. needed later and yeah. to have the permits, mm-hmm. which we'll get into here. But Lots of know, locations will require it first as well. Right. So now at this point, you have the insurance, you have it locked in. So in order to have the process trailer, you had to have insurance. Mm-hmm. In order to get the permits, you needed to have insurance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in order to have the cops. Yep. You yeah, had and, to have the process trailer, which needed insurance. Yeah. And, and you know, with the, the permits, something that we learned was that um, they actually have to go through a judge. Right. Uh, to sign off on it, you know, because a lot of what they're doing is they're protecting like local businesses and stuff like that, making sure you're not like taking up all their parking spots or making it so that they can't get customers in and stuff like that. So you so, had to go in Canvas. You and Dave yeah, had to go Canvas. Had to go put up flyers, talk to business owners, let them know when we were going to shoot and where we were going to do it at. Let them know that it wouldn't affect their business. And, and they didn't. Had, they didn't care. It was it. It was two o'clock in the morning. morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they, I told several people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like we won't be here." I'm like, "I know. We just like we have to do this." Yeah. But the the point is that the minimum amount of time. At least for these to get the permit after you have literally everything is like four days. Yeah. And so if our insurance had taken any longer, um, it would have taken longer to get the permit and could have ended up pushing into our production days and Correct. screwing that up. So, and then if it pushes into production days, then you have to deal with the cast and yep. the crew and it's mm-hmm. just this big mess. So yeah, long story short, get your insurance. Yeah. Get your ASAP. insurance early. Yeah. Get and the it insurance costs, early. It costs a ton, but you need yeah. it and you don't have to start paying for it until you start production. Right. Um, or at least you can be like, we have five days of production and right. it doesn't start. It's not valid until you have those dates. You just need the proof of insurance to get those right. things going yep. prior to production. Yeah. And, and again, not to jump too far ahead, but something that ended up happening in this relates to the insurance is our, our uh, process trailer day, we actually had a permit uh, mess up and we ended up having to, and we just, we just couldn't do it because the dates were wrong. Just couldn't yeah. do it. And so we ended up having to push that out another week. Um, and, but the insurance was ending. So we had to push out the next Thursday, but the insurance was ending on Monday. And so I had to go back to them and it turns out that this is actually a pretty standard thing to be able to extend it. Um, I said like, okay, we, I need to, we had to push our shooting date out to this day. So I need the insurance to cover that. I'm like, I understand it'll incur some extra expenses. And you know what she did? Uh, she, extended it, didn't charge. That's incredible. It was amazing. Like if we were insurance st- company, yeah. like you don't expect that at all. So it was super, super cool. Well, on that first night of shooting, we realized that there was a, there was a mistake made as far as permits and the mm-hmm. dates. 
And it turned out to be probably the best thing that could have happened yeah. because we were going to do four nights in a row. Yeah. Like long From like nights. 8 p.m. until like 4 or 5 a.m. That would have it would have it would have been really brutal. It would have and it would have made uh, it would have made our so the trailer day was the second day. It would have made not only the second day worse, it would have made the third and fourth day worse. But now because that was our the trailer day was our hardest day. Right. And so being able to have that kind of on an island by itself a week later, let us focus on the the, the two in quotes, easier days that we had. Um, well, we, and then we, focus more on the trailer day on its a own. A week later. A week later. We we're all rested up. We we're able to get rested for the for the third and fourth nights. Yep. So like it actually ended up being a good thing. The, yeah, the the night off in between the first night and then that second and yeah. third night were incredible. We were able to go into the warehouse scene with like super fresh yeah. head. And I think that stuff turned out just oh, incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it looks awesome. I guess maybe the point of that is just if you do have hiccups, they can be to your advantage later on. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to you have to embrace the chaos yeah. for sure. And you find out where your boundaries are and figure out how to work within those. And just don't, you know, when you have problems, just don't be a crybaby about it. Just, you know, right. just be, get, get your, get your dudes together, get your people together, put your heads together, figure out a solution, um, without, without being sad about what you wanted. Right. Cause at that point, like this, this is what you have to happen. work with. Yeah. And it's going to happen. It will happen. You know, you need to go in with a solid, solid plan a for sure. I mean, that's Absolutely. me. I'm a, I'm a planner. So have a solid plan a, but be ready to pivot or to improvise because problems will happen. Absolutely. And then cut back before that to the week prior to shooting. And I'm doing FX6 test in the living room and we're shooting some in the garage with lighting and in a car. Yeah. And we realized that, and I should have known this, but I hadn't really well, used it. Well, it's a new camera for you. And so yeah. you're still figuring out the ins and outs of it. I was just like, yeah, it shoots raw. Yeah. And I was like, of yep. course it does. It does everything else. Yeah. And we realized that internally, obviously, the FX6 does not shoot raw. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we had Atomus there mm -hmm. um, and we had the monitor we were already going to use. So we changed all of those settings, as we kind of mentioned before. So we shot ProRes RAW HQ, mm -hmm. which was incredible, uh, as we mentioned. And we had backup internal MXF files, yeah. which was super safe way. So we got our RAW files externally. We got our XAVC or MXF files mm -hmm. internally in the camera. One thing that we learned was, you know, we obviously want to transmit the highest code to the Atomus monitor mm -hmm. from the camera because that's where the recording is being done. So obviously we're using 12G SDIs. Right. So you had to go get yeah. two 12G SDIs made. Way way more difficult to find in town than I expected it. Uh, yeah, everyone has 3Gs and, mm -hmm. and 5Gs and, and stuff, but the but 12G it, is... Yeah, it was hard. So I ended up having to go to this uh, this place in town called Performance Audio and they do uh, custom cable stuff. And I went in right. there and I, I was like, hey guys, like I'm in a pinch. This was like two days before we were shooting, right? Yeah. Yeah, like two days before we were shooting. I'm like, guys, I'm in a pinch. I really... And we'd ordered... Or not... Uh, well, we had like three or four days. We had We'd ordered, ordered some, some, yeah, but they were going to be there like the morning of the first day, and right. so I want that was like that was our backup plan, yeah. Um, but our our main plan was to try and get some right away, partially so we could test. Well, we needed to test how to shoot the raw for sure. And then yeah. in the meantime, when you were getting that, Adamos was sending me the codes to download right, the SDI right. to raw, mm -hmm. which was awesome because we yeah. saved a hundred bucks there. Yeah, and then that way we were able to have the highest quality output and mm -hmm. input into the raw file. Yeah, absolutely worth it. And absolutely I, worth and, it. And I'll tell you what I have to say, you know, shooting with raw, especially to an external recorder can be dicey. I mean, there's, totally. there's so many things that can go wrong. I actually did not feel safe doing it. No. And I had to go through a lot of monitor settings mm -hmm. and make sure the triggers were right. Mm -hmm. And just, it, it seemed, it was a little daunting. I was like, do we have to shoot this thing in raw? And then we did a side by side and I'm so glad we did it's with un that unreal in log in uh, L cine mode. 
with just the anamorphic lenses, I just am yeah. just blown away yeah. with you, how everything looks in yeah. this film. Yeah, the 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 Atmos monitor and the Sony camera handled the RAW so well. We didn't have a right. single like dropped frame. We didn't lose a single clip. Everything shot perfectly yeah. in raw. And so I, I mean, highest possible recommendation for me for sure. Yeah. Well, and that last thing I'm going to do is shoot it on the Komodo, the red Oh yeah. at night. Everything is in pure darkness. So like that Sony camera and they're 1.8 to 2.8 lenses. Yeah. If they're fully open. Yeah. And with that Sony, Sony is just known for being amazing in low light. Mm-hmm. So with their low light capabilities and those really open, nice F 1.8 lenses. Yeah just blown away with yeah. how production went. And I'm super excited for the next episode to talk about, about production. production. Yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, the pre-production, very, very important, not as fun as production. Right. Pre-production went, went really well, learned a lot during it. And for the next time, a whole lot of things we're not going to make mistakes on. Absolutely. I think that pretty much covers most of our yeah. pre-production. I mean, I know we missed a couple things. Oh, of, co- of course. And you know, like I said, we're going to be doing a few more of these. We might, might do right. a round tables with the other producers. We're talking about I'd you like know, to production. So we're going to be talking about this a lot uh, because, because we learned so much because we want to kind of talk to you all about the process we went through. Hopefully it can help you guys too. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to give us a solid rating on your podcast listening platform we of love choice, solid ratings, solid ratings are the way to live. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm just super excited to get into the next episode, which is going to be production. Actually, I don't know what the next episode is and I don't know the order right now because we do have a guest that we're going to record with here in like an hour. Mm-hmm. Really, really excited to have him on as well. There's just uh, a lot of recording going on today. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're recording three or four episodes yeah. in one day. <laughs> And um, that way you have some bi-weekly episodes coming up in the next few months That's right. uh, without missing anything. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the pre-production of Jump Seat, and then part two will be of production. That's right. Awesome, man. All right, well, we'll see everybody later. Nice work on pre-production, by the way. All right, I love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>